Hooker Podcast. I'm Moose Munster. And I'm Adam Vilke. That's Mr. Adam Vilke to you people out there in uh, yeah. Facebook, Facebook land. <laughs> Podcast land. I was going to pull it off and be so cool, so smooth, and then I just tell the <laughs> shit down my leg. Hey, uh, hey, Adam, we're on location again. We are. Two weeks ago, we were Like a couple brush. traveling vagabonds. Wilderberries. Wilderberries? Wilderberries. The traveling wilderberries. <laughs> I don't even know. Wilder <laughs> beast? Wilder beast? <laughs> yeah. That actually fits That's probably, probably a little closest. better, yeah. Um, <laughs> we do have a guest today. Uh, well, first of all, we're at the Brush Art Center again, like yep. we were two weeks ago. Yep. Uh, with the owner, Mr. I remember to wear these clothes. Uh, yeah, we wore the same clothes uh, because it's not the same day. Wink, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> but we were with the owner, Rob Gifford. Uh, he beat us both, so he did. We're gonna badmouth Rob here after a little bit, you know. Okay, um, but we have a new guest today. Yep, we do, Mr. Eric Christensen. Hello, how you doing? Uh, veteran leader of the VFW here in town. I, I yes. said leader is out of commander. Come on, I, I call you the leader. Okay, it's synonymous. It's synonymous. <laughs> <laughs> Eric and I actually uh, go back a long way. He's actually a staunch uh, supporter of the Swickenese people. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and mom Swickenese. <laughs> mom's not. She, she's well, she's not Swickenese. Yeah, but, she's Swedish yeah, and Mexican. She's Swexican. I don't know what that yeah. is. <laughs> but she supports you. Yeah. We got to see one of your first uh, comedy shows down there in Denver. Right. That's where I kind of met you guys, and it's like, holy moly, this is fun. Before you and Mel got married, uh, she was still a single lady. Uh, that's when I first started comedy, and uh, she used to go with Mom. Mom used to come get Mel, and she's like, hey, Melody Christian, or Melody... Uh, Melody Weiner, Weiner at that time. Right. Wants to go, of course, and then Annie Rodriguez would come and get him in trouble, you know. Uh-huh. Miss you, Annie, love you. And what's up, Mel? Um, <laughs> and yeah, they'd always come down, and, and they'd make like a night of it, so... Well, they invited me to go along, so I was in the back seat of the vehicle with <laughs> these three women Wild that people. were talking all kinds of stories. They were laughing and giggling, and here I was in the back seat listening in on all their conversations. <laughs> it was crazy, and then I got down there and met you guys at the comedy show. Sure. I think it was a good time. And you started coming to quite a few of the uh, shows early in life when oh, we first yeah. started uh, Two for the Road Entertainment. So Yes. Yeah, it was cool. A lot of them over at the Clarion. That's right. That's yeah. right. Back when we first started, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Back to house. Like a lifetime ago. Yeah, it sounds like we're going to uh, maybe start those up again. Very good. Here locally. In the, uh, we're working out a deal for the uh, golf course to do a couple nights of comedy here in Brush, Colorado in uh, the fall. Uh so far, the plan is to uh, just pay the overhead, and then we're going to donate to a charity. The, all the uh, very good, yeah. So, you know, so someone can uh, we can all. I'd like to. I'd like to someday start a, a scholarship just so people. I call it the, the the dick and fart joke scholarship. You know what I mean? <laughs> How, how'd you pay for school? Dick and fart jokes. It was amazing. I didn't tell them, but uh, you know, that's why I'm here. So, that that would be good, Eric. Wouldn't you want to? Oh, yeah. you got to support that. <laughs> Everybody would be wanting to jump in on that one. Yeah, why is no one applying for the scholarship? Right, right. <laughs> um, well, before we go any further, I do want to stop and say uh, welcome to the Bullhucker podcast. What the Bullhucker is, if you're new to this, is it's a podcast where we bring on a guest. Today's Eric Christensen, the Eric Christensen, commander leader. Um, and what <laughs> Eric's going to do is he's going to tell us three stories about his life. Now, the kicker is only two of these stories are true. One is actually the Bullhucker, as we call it. Which means it's either a lie, it's either partially made up, all the way made up, or borrowed. Now, Eric, don't go into a lot of detail to give it away, but is your story a borrowed story, a partially made up story, or all the way made up story? Mm, it's partially uh, borrowed. Partially borrowed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could be a new combination. That's, yeah. That's the bastard option. We'll call it right there. So <laughs> we'll throw a loop at you. <laughs> it is throwing a loop at us. I don't think we've ever had that, have we? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I think that's a new combination on us. Yeah, that's uh, so. The uh, borrowed are tough because the borrowed stories are tough because they are a true story. They're just not your yes. true story. So yeah. they actually happened to somebody, right? Yes. So that's tough. Also, uh, if you'd be so kind and you enjoy what you see here, there's a little red button on the right bottom hand corner that's a subscribe. I cannot say the word subscribed quickly. <laughs> subscribe, but they need to read. They need to find another word for subscribe so I can, ha- you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's on the right hand, bottom hand corner of the uh, screen. Please hit that because uh, uh, it's a. Uh, Small click for you, but a big click for us. Boom. No. <laughs> okay. And no matter what you're doing, uh, if you're on Stitcher, iTunes Radio, whatever, please make sure you uh, follow the podcast, subscribe, leave a note, uh, leave a message, and uh, what else am I forgetting, Adam? I don't know. You've like 
you lost me. I lost him. That's what I mean. <laughs> I had a tail. Rate, rate, review. Leave a comment. Leave a rating and review. That's what I want to hear. Put your so. guest down there. Yeah, it, it is fun. And some people are starting to do that on YouTube now. It's kind of cool to, to see people. Uh, Susan Coaster. We haven't had a, we haven't shout out Susan Coaster. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. What's up, Susan? Boom, boom. You know. <laughs> also, my friend Tish has also been. Uh, Prez has been uh, commenting as well. So thank you for following, Tish. You're great. So much love. Um, anyway, so that's what we do. We're going to bring on Eric. And Eric, I'm, I've actually been kind of uh, I've been uh, looking forward to this one. So you've, uh, you you were in the Navy. No. Only 20 years. That's it. Only. That's, yeah. Uh, underwater de- demolition, right? Well, I was a Navy deep sea diver. My first four years, I was a radioman. And... Basically, that was shuffling papers around. So I did my four years, and I got out. I said, nah, I've, I don't want to do that anymore. Well, I went back to the Oregon coast and finally decided I wanted to get into diving. So I went back into the Navy specifically to go through uh, welding school and Navy dive school. And after that, I spent 15 years, got my retirement, but... Uh, I did all kinds of stuff underwater. I did some welding. I did some demolition. We saw the tax collector, uh, the sharks. Oh. <laughs> Why do you call him the tax collector? Because uh, when a fisherman is out there and he's got a fish on the line, before you can get it in the boat, the tax collector comes along and takes a chunk out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard that of you. I've never heard that either. That's in, funny. In Hawaii, they call him the tax collector, the man in the gray suit. Uh, there's several different names for him. Wow. Some of them not so pleasant. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you ever had to tangle with a shark? I have seen many sharks, but uh, I've never had one actually come up and bite me. I've because they've been better. very close to it. Well, all I've got to do is show my Navy diver ID card, and they they're that's gone. That's, <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's one of the things I've always wanted to do is dive with sharks. I've always wanted to do that. Why? It's a bucket list thing. I don't know. Yeah, your mind. <clears throat> but this, this is the uh, well, this is a sign for shark. What's up, Rena? We had a podcast uh, hosted was, was diving for the first time, and uh, she said the other divers were experienced, and they started doing this. They started giving like the. Uh, if you're listening to this, um, it's like the L sign without the bottom L. It's it's a shark sign, right? Is that the shark sign? It's is that it? It's biting. Okay, <coughs> that could that could also be a barracuda, though. The which one? The biting. The biting. Oh, let's see. Any, so, anything that's biting, or yeah, the the shark, the fin so, on the head. Yeah. yeah. So that's our new shark sign. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. In, in case you're in a Colorado reservoir or whatever, <laughs> you come across a shark. So. Welcome yeah. to Colorado. If you're at Pruitt swimming, you <laughs> see someone give the give the sign, the hand to the forehead, get right. out. Right. <laughs> It'd be more like C for a carp. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a day I was attacked by a rainbow bass. <laughs> rainbow bass. Was, it's a, now you okay? So he's like like a hybrid, partially made up, borrowed or whatever it was, and now you're a rainbow bass. It's a bass or a rainbow trout. So he can know. make up his own fish. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> thank <That's>, you, Eric. <laughs> Mr. Outdoors over here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hope there is such thing as a rainbow bat. You know what? If there is, please. Yes, please. Adam Vokey. Find him on, uh, on uh, social media and bust his ass. So. Yep. Send anyway. him straight to me. I want to know. I'm going to go Google that later. So. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> we got three stories, Adam. I'm going to let you read those out. There, those are some. Yeah, I feel like I needed to practice these before we started. So we have first dive in ocean, net and, net and screw of Pearl J, staff cable job in Diego Garcia, fishing trip to hell with Hap, Belle Isle, and Red Wakely. You didn't mess around with those, Eric. No, not at all. <laughs> You're going to have a tough time. I, 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 I guarantee it. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, all right. Well, you picked first last time. You want me to yep. pick first this yep, time? Yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, you know, I always pick the one uh, the one I always want to hear, Eric. I uh, I always pick last. These all look really good, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the one uh, because I can't pronounce the name. I was gonna so say. I'm gonna leave that one for Voki. So uh, I think I want to hear Stas Cable Job at Diego Garcia. Okay. On the stern end of a submarine, there is a cable that comes out. It 
It's on a big reel inside the submarine, and it goes through a tube, and it comes out right near the stern planes and the rudder on the back of a submarine. And this cable, it's not very big diameter, but it has microphones and speaker capability, so they can reel it back maybe a thousand yards behind the submarine so that when they're streaming along going through the ocean they can listen if another submarine is trying to come up behind them they can also make noises back there they can emanate sounds like machinery so that if they're quiet enough and the sound is back here an enemy sub or a ship might be sending a missile or a torpedo at that sound Hmm. and it blows up the cable but they get away. So this cable on one of the ships, the subs, was needing some work on it. I happened to be on a submarine tender in Diego Garcia, which is about eight degrees south of the equator in the Indian Ocean. It's an island or it's a... Diego Garcia is an atoll. It's a... It shaped kind of like a, like a footprint... Uh, he's laughing because he has he knows I had no clue what an atoll is. <laughs> it's an island. An atoll. An atoll is an island that has a ring around it with a harbor or water in the center okay, of it. Okay, I got you. So it's like a, a perfect harbor. It uh, stops all the wave action and everything. It's a very good place to anchor and work on other ships. Like an old volcano, right? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Well, it's it's all coral out there. Okay. So our big subtender, 800 foot long, it's uh, designed with all kinds of mechanical rooms and it's got guys on board who can work on the periscopes, torpedoes, engines, everything that a submarine has. They've got all this equipment and capabilities. They have a couple booms that stick out on the side and they can run power cables over the side. Submarines pull up, they get uh, moored to us and then we drop power cables down through some of their access holes so that they can shut down their reactor they get work done on them and uh, they get a little rest we just help supply them and all this but this stas cable was giving them issues and they wanted to get that repaired so they could go back out and do their mission so in order to work on it, somehow you had to hook onto it and pull it up onto a barge where it could be kind of coiled up and inspected and everything. So somebody had to go down, tie a rope on it, go over there and throw the end of the rope to this barge. Problem was, in Diego Garcia, it's real deep. During the daytime, you hardly ever see a shark. But once it gets dark Mm. the big hungries come out we have lights that are hanging down over the side to illuminate these submarines well that attracts all the little tiny bait fish which attracts some bigger fish which attracts the big hungries the tax collector (laughs) the man in the gray suit (laughs) you could see them at night when you'd walk along the deck of the ship you'd look down and these lights would illuminate 30, 40 feet down into the the water, and you'd see these great big sharks swimming along. Eight-footers are common. Twelve-footers, you know, they're out there every once in a while. And there was one that we called Hector. (laughs) Hector swam alongside the captain's gig one time. Captain's gig is basically like a little cabin cruiser boat that the captains would use to go from ship to ship or to the shore. This boat was 26 foot long. Hector was as long as the captain's gig. You could see him in the water. You're going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So at night, the hungries would come up. They'd be out there. We didn't want to go in the water at night. Well, no. So here I was tasked to do this job, to swim out there, Swim down, tie a rope around the stas cable on the end of it, and then swim over and flip that rope up to the guys on the barge so that they could 
pull it all up there and get it coiled up. Well, they kept messing around. They had other jobs that were needing to be done. We had specific tags that we had to put on equipment so that they wouldn't operate while I was in the water. So it just had one delay after another. I had my gear on. All I was wearing was my T-shirt, my UDT shorts, my swim fins, and my mask. So I'm out there getting ready and waiting for this, <laughs> and time keeps going by. We're we're sitting there waiting. Okay, we got a rope and everything, but nothing is happening. Finally, somebody came up out of the sub. Diving supervisor says, okay, we've got permission. You can go ahead and get in the water. Okay, so by then, the sun was starting to get down close toward the horizon, but it wasn't dark yet. So I grabbed the rope, swam out there, just held my breath. I dove down. Tied a couple knots on the end of that stas cable, came up to the surface, swam over toward the barge, and I'm thinking, I'm hoping nothing's looking up, seeing what kind of a morsel I might be. <laughs> right. So I throw the end of the rope up there. It wasn't long enough. Oh, no. It would not reach the barge. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I had to swim back. I got back toward the submarine and told the guys on the the deck of the sub, I need another rope. Get me something that I can fasten onto this. So while I'm waiting, they're getting a rope. I look up on the sub tender and people are starting to stand around on the decks. It was already basically quitting time. Right. They had already knocked off the ship's work for the day. So there was people standing up there watching. And then I started hearing it. And they were chanting. And it's like, That's horrible. you, That's you gruesome sons of bitches. You're up there. They're probably making bets on whether I'm going to get munched or not. You know, they're up there looking to see, hey, this guy's going to be a bloodbath. We got three to one odds on his leg, five to one on his arm. Yeah. So... The longer I wait, the louder it got, and more people started coming out there, and they're saying, hey, come here, check this out. He's going to get in the water again, and the sun's going down, and they finally got me a rope. <laughs> so I had to go out there. The sun is setting down a little bit further all the time. It's getting closer to being dark, and I'm starting to pucker. <laughs> okay, so I got the rope. I tied the two of them together. I swam over by the barge, and it's getting louder up there on the deck of the subtender. <laughs> I throw the rope up, and nobody goes to catch it. I coiled it back up in my hand. I said, you guys got one chance. I'm throwing it. You either catch it or I'm done. Right. I threw it. I swam back to the submarine, and somehow somebody caught it over there, and they pulled the stas cable up. But by the time I got out of the water, I was just, <laughs> I was sweating in the water. Right. I was like puckered up and people were just, when the show was over, they all walked away. But do boy, you think, do that you think was a tough one. Do you think the sharks took offense to that? Like the Donna, Donna, they're like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, it's a, a shark. A, it's a stereotype, okay? <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> But That's, knowing what was down there in that water and knowing that it, at dark, they no, come no. up and they start looking. They're hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there I was swimming around. No, thank you. Just, no, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> you know what I've done, Eric? I'd have pushed somebody in that water, <laughs> you know? Well, they're all up on the deck of the well, ship. I'd have climbed like, my ass up the deck of the ship and I'd have pushed one of them on the water. That's what no. I'd have done, you know? That was kind of a pucker factor. What, what year is that? That had to be about 1980 or 81. So Jaws is very relevant, yeah. relevant oh, at this yeah. time. Like yeah. 75, 76? I was 76. 75 or 76. Yeah. So, no, I think it was 75 because the year I was born. Okay. Because I was looking at the, uh, the top movies. I, I, the year you were born, you know. For those of us who are born with movies, we're, you know, movie pictures there, Eric, you know. But, <laughs> 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 but uh, no, it's, that's, that's a shitty thing to do, especially... 
like I said, because Jaws is still fairly new, so that's oh, yeah. Of, yeah, they knew they were getting my goat, and I, I was trying not to show it, but damn, no, that's, that's a tough one when, when you're in the water and they're, they're doing that. Right. Like, yeah, no thank you. No thank you. All right, what do you think about that one, man? That's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. That's, I like little, it. I like it. Well, at, I, least, at least Hector didn't come to watch. Yeah. That you know of. Let's yeah. put it that yeah. way. He yeah. might have been down there, but maybe I wasn't tasty enough for him or something. I don't know. Or he saw my Navy Diver ID card. Well, that's, what, that's, that's what it was. was. Send a chunkier one in. This one. <laughs> Get him on those bones, you know? Yeah. All right. Is a moose up there? The Swickenese guys are big. Send his ass in. It's one of those wildebeests in there. Yeah. I like when I bite him. Gravy comes out of his veins. It's good. It's delicious. Yeah. All right. Two left, my man. We got. Uh, you, you want me to read them off? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have uh, first dive in Ocean Net and screw a Pearl J. I probably read that wrong, right? First dive in Ocean Net and screw. Right? And then the fishing trip, uh, fishing trip to hell with Hap, Belle Isle, and Red Wakeley. Did I say it right? You Was did. That, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brush High School Education. What's up? So I'm going to go with uh, fishing trip to hell with happen red <laughs> coward fell out in the wakely i i got it but. okay that was quite a trip uh it was just going to be a standard old fishing trip um this friend of ours hap bell isle he was a navy diver but he worked for the submarine squadrons and red wakely also worked for the submarine squadrons but it ended up there was a total of five of us navy divers who went out on Hat Bell Isle's boat. It's a 19-foot boat. He had a great big, like 150 or 200 horse Mercury motor on it. And uh, they had plans. We were gonna go out to the HH buoy off Honolulu Harbor. It's 18 miles out. It's basically a buoy that just kind of marks somewhere off the, the harbor for a bearing for when other ships and barges and stuff are moving around. They get a, a reading off from it. They know where their bearing is. Mm-hmm. So usually there's a lot of fish attracted to it. Anything that's stationary in the water, it gets a little bit of seaweed or something on it, and then some of the little fish come along, and then pretty soon the bigger fish say, hey, there's food here. So they hang around. So we thought, well, maybe we'd go out and get some mahi-mahi or tuna. So we all got together. Early in the morning, we come down to Honolulu Harbor. We get on board Hap's boat, and we pull out, and we're heading out to sea. So we're cruising along out there, talking, or getting ready to have a wobbly pop or two. We get about 12 miles out to sea, and all of a sudden, the motor quits. What the hell? So Hap, this is a brand new motor. Hap goes back there, and he's fiddling around with it. Pretty soon they're pulling the cover off and tinkering with this and checking the spark plugs, and they're checking this and that, and try the key again, and nothing's working. Nothing. We're just drifting. (laughs) Well, in Hawaii, there's trade winds out there that blow and right. the wind was already starting to move just a little bit but it was blowing away from the island oh, no. well after a while an hour or so they had been tinkering with that they couldn't find anything to get it going again so uh we're starting to think about shoot maybe we're gonna have to uh find a Coast Guardsman or somebody to come out and find us. Right. Well, it happened that Red Wakeley had a little CB radio in like a lunchbox. He pulled this CB radio out, and he had two little short antennas that folded up, and we hooked them up. I held these antennas up as high as I could, and he hooked it to a battery on the boat, and we started calling around, and... We finally got a, another fisherman that uh, would answer to us. This is on a CB radio. This doesn't reach all the way to the Coast Guard. Right. 
So these fishing boats says, well, okay, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for you. We'll, we'll look for you. We, we know kind of, you say you're in this area, and okay, we'll look for you. Well, about another hour goes by, and we're getting a little farther out to sea, and the wind's picking up a little bit more. This 19-foot boat starting to bounce around a little bit. And we're thinking, a couple more hours of daylight, maybe we better see if we can get somebody else on there. So we keep trying to talk and finally got another boat who said, oh, we have a VHF radio, we'll call the Coast Guard. So they called the Coast Guard and Coast Guard said, okay, we'll send out a, a small boat to try and look for you. And we gave them some kind of directions we said the island's bearing this direction, so they were coming out to try and search for us. Another hour or so goes by, and sun's getting a little bit lower toward the horizon. So finally, they said, well, maybe we'll send out a chopper. Because uh, we were starting to get a little worried. The seas were getting rougher and rougher all the time. The wind was blowing harder. And the island of Hawaii, Oahu, started getting smaller and smaller on the horizon. See, that's the, one of the things I was sitting here thinking is when you're drifting, you feel like you're not moving, but you're moving a lot you're more moving. than you realize. Yeah. When you've got so, 25, 30-mile-an-hour winds, right. you're moving right along. <clears throat> okay, so they set up a chopper. And after a while, we finally saw this chopper on the horizon about a mile away from us going out. Well, we were able to talk on the CB radio to another boat who was able to use the VHF to talk to the Coast Guard on shore who had to talk to the guys in the chopper. Oops. They finally got the chopper turned around and they had him swing over a little bit farther. And just before dark, he finally spotted us. We were 27 miles offshore oh, in a 19-foot boat with 15-foot seas with 25-mile-an-hour winds. <laughs> we were quite a ways out there. It took them three and a half hours to tow us back once they got a boat hooked onto us. So we, we didn't get back to shore until after dark. Oh, jeez. We had four life jackets, and there was five of us on the boat. So <laughs> we thought, we've got to do something to convince the Coast Guard that we're still legal. So when we got the Coast Guard boat pulled up alongside, they wanted to check and make sure we all had our life jackets on. We says, well, we've got one guy up in underneath the, the front of the boat. He's hiding up in there to stay out of the, the salt water spray and everything. So when we finally got back to shore and they wanted to check our life jackets, we were making a show of taking ours off and we threw one in under the front of the boat and Red slipped into it real fast, kind of came out like he was untying it. But uh, <laughs> they never counted. We had four life jackets, five guys, but we made it back to shore. If you wouldn't have had the fifth life jacket, what would that have been? Uh... It would have been a fine. Oh, okay. okay. But, uh, at least they found us. Right. That was one of them trips where we started looking at each other and saying, okay, who are we going to eat first when we start <laughs> running out of food? We had fishing poles, but without a motor to troll, very slim chance of catching anything. Right, right. I was starting to realize, don't ever do anything with Eric in the evening yeah, that's no or shit. late afternoon because oh, yeah. everything goes wrong for him. You could eat shark. You could eat the tax sunset. collector. <laughs> just dip the one guy in and wait for the tax collector to show up. Eat it, man. You know? Yeah. You rate shark? I have. I have not. You? Yeah. Good? If you clean it properly. <laughs> That's they, a no. <laughs> they don't have a bladder, so their oh. urine stays in their body. So you have to cut them to make them bleed. Their, their urine is in their blood system. Bleed them out real good and get that diluted out and then cook them. They're not bad. Huh. So I, I had swordfish, not shark. Uh, I've had swordfish. Okay. So yeah. huh. they're very similar to sturgeon, which is very good. Okay. All right. I don't think I had that either. And I like fish, man. I, I, dude, I could live like 
in San Francisco or buy a, a fish market the rest of my life and be happy as shit, man. I mm. I can live off fish the rest of my life. I love fish, man. Yeah, so, so do I. I'm a fish fan. And you and I, it's not common in this area. No. You know, there's a lot of people who don't like fish around here. You know who freaks me out is Dessos, who don't like fish, because their dad was a massive fisherman. Well, he's a Vietnam veteran, you know, and worked for the, uh, the Ford, I think, for, for years and years. But, dude, Wayne, if he wasn't at home, He's out fishing. I'm like, how do you not like fish, man? That's all you probably had as a kid. That's probably why they probably don't why. like it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, overloaded on out. it. Right, right. So, I mean, you're joking about eating some of the air, but what, really, what, what does happen when you get far enough out? We could have been adrift for a long time. There are cases where people drift for months, and, you know, you find something to eat along the way, or you don't. Or you just die. But with yes. five of us, you know. We're looking at, okay, who do we sacrifice first right? if we get to that point? But uh, how long will it be? We might be in Tahiti or Australia before we get <laughs> located somewhere. That's uh, awesome. From Hawaii, there's yeah. not much land out there. There's little islands here and there, sure. but they're maybe 1,000 miles away. And, I mean, to find something in the ocean has got to be a bitch, right? I mean, it's... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, you know? Well, it's yeah. so... Needle in the haystack, huh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll be down. What do you think about that story? That's that's scary. That would, I don't know. I think I would rather do the cable thing than drift it. Be a drift. At sea. Yeah, I don't but, know, man. I, I, probably, you know, I don't want to do either one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that is scary to be. That, I mean, that's worse than being lost in like the woods or something. You know what yeah. I mean? At least, well, five Navy divers, that would have kind of impacted the the uh, facility there at submarine base in Pearl Harbor because they would have had to pull in some more people or they would right. have been shorthanded on working on subs. Right. But uh, huh. five of us all at once. Sure. And hope- you would never have a chance to... Uh, at that time, we didn't have cell phones. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have a way to call somebody and say, see ya, love ya, anything like that. Oh, we, sure. were, we were just... Drifted away and been gone. They had never known what, what happened. happened. What was wrong with the engine? Did you guys ever find out? I don't know. I never went out fishing with Hap Bell Isle again. Hap <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Red Wakely are still friends of mine on Facebook. I I see them all the time on Facebook. But, What's up, uh, Hap? What's I, up, I'm, Red? I'm not going fishing with them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, I've been on a boat that's quit working in the middle of a, like a lake. And the panic of just... Your boat not working, but in a the lake. Ocean. Yeah, but so then you magnify that to the ocean. I couldn't even imagine what that yeah. was. When they started pulling this in, we had waves crashing over the bow of the boat, and mm. we were being drenched with salt water. It was, it was just coming down in sheets over the top of us. It would hit the windshield and come up, and then just drenching us. So we were just sucking salt water the whole time. Three and a half hours coming in. Hmm. There's there's no bottom to this boat, right? Like somewhere to. There's not like a, a downstairs, like a what's it called? Like a. We had uh, a, a little pump on there, so we were pumping water out every right. once in a while. Huh. But. Uh, yeah. No, thank you. No, nope. it, it could have been an ugly trip. Sure. Well, uh, we would be hearing already, stories. It already was ugly, but yeah. at least we had an ending where we all got back to shore. Sure. Right. Sure. I don't know, man. Did anybody have a gun? No. I don't see that. that I, that's the way I'd take out. I mean, if you, know, you guys can eat me, you'll survive for weeks. You know? <laughs> Definitely, I love them, you know? <laughs> Do you ever eat moose? Yeah, once. <laughs> you like the Donner Party shit, you know what I'm saying? You didn't put a fight or nothing. Bucker uh, probably had diabetes, so he was pretty sweet. So, all right, we got one left, man. Uh the first dive in those, first dive in ocean net and screw of Pearl J. That's okay, that, that, that doesn't seem like a sentence that makes sense. <laughs> like, but there's a dash. Okay, it, it so, does. Oh, oh, okay. First okay. dive in ocean. Oh, net and screw. Comma net and screw. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I had learned a little bit about the ocean and snorkeling and so forth when I was on Guam and my first enlistment in the Navy. But uh, I had never been scuba diving. So we got in a 
there was a, a race rat back in the early 70s and I got hit in the mouth a few times so uh, I couldn't go ahead and do a scuba class for a while so I just ended up I did some snorkeling but I had never been certified as a diver. Well, I got back to Oregon and I got some training as a diver, read some books and everything and did some diving in the lakes, rivers, We'd go down and pick up fishing lures and stuff like that. Just basic things and never had been in salt water in the ocean. Well, we got a call one night. These guys were out on their fishing boat, the Pearl J, <coughs> and when they were trying to bring their net in, there was a current or something and the net kind of swung in underneath the the stern of the boat and the screw hung up on the, the net or some of the ropes on it and they couldn't pull it up and it stopped their screw. They couldn't go forward, they couldn't go backwards without tearing the net up more and they've already got a whole bunch of fish in the net. They'd been pulling their net along the bottom. They had halibut, rockfish, lingcod, you know, whatever. Did they have any rainbow bass? Rainbow bass. I'm sure there was one or two, maybe, <laughs> but they they couldn't move. They couldn't bring the net up. They couldn't release it, and they were kind of screwed with right. their screw. So they called a couple people to come out and see if they could dive on it. And other people had some excuses. They couldn't do it. They called me. I had never dove in the ocean. Well. They convinced me, they, they waved some dollar signs in front of me, and I says, well, for that, I might go out there and look at it. Yeah. So they had an, another boat in the harbor that they told me to go down there and get on this boat, and they would bring me out to the Pearl J, and I could cut their net loose or whatever they had to do. So I grabbed some serrated knives and some other tools, Got all my dive gear together, wetsuit, tanks. Brought a couple tanks with me and went down there to Charleston and got on board this other boat. And we go chugging out there. So while we're un in route, I'm putting my wetsuit on and getting all my stuff checked. And we got out there. <laughs> Once again, it was dark. <laughs> I'm out in the ocean, never been out there diving before on a boat that is bobbing around in the swells with a net hung up under their screw at night. So <laughs> kind of had to think about it for a while and that was kind of a tough deal to jump into that water. I had a light, I'm holding onto a flashlight and a bunch of tools. I had some stuff in a bag, got down there. And the first thing you see is this net moving back and forth in the current and the swells, it's like a living thing. Right. And I'm realizing, okay, everything I've got that is anywhere close to being loose will hang up on that net and it's gonna grab me. It's folding and twisting and moving all around. So the boat is going up and down a little bit in the swells. There's a lot of action going on. Right. So. I finally got in close to it and got looking around and got to where I could hang on to the, the shaft of the, uh, the shaft that's coming out of the hole toward where the screw was. I'm looking around with my flashlight and it, basically there was only a couple turns of the net that were into the screw and a couple ropes. So I got in there made sure I kind of kept my back to where I could push away if I had to. Cut here and there, and I'm thinking, if I cut and I'm holding on to it or hung up on it, and it starts dropping to the bottom, it's taking me with it. So I had to make sure that I kept my feet back away from it, and uh, that was a spooky thing. But you go in there and cut a little bit and then get back, I finally got some leverage on a little bit of the net and pulled it off where the blades of the screw were 
and the whole thing kind of finally came loose. The current kind of helped push it away. I felt that uh, relief and everything. All I right. came up to the surface. I'd been in there for probably 40 minutes mm -hmm. and sucked that uh, tank of air completely dry. I was, I was down to the last probably 300, 400 pounds of air pressure in there. So uh, that was my first. I, I wasn't even thinking sharks at that time. <laughs> no, but uh, right. just that big net was so massive. And the way it was moving, it was like a living thing. Right. And I just knew all those little openings in the net. If I had uh, my wristwatch or anything would get hung up in there. Oh, yeah. It would pull me, hang on to me. My, my knife that was on my side of my leg. All kinds of different things that I was worrying about making sure I didn't get hung up. Right. But uh, finally got it loose and got it pushed away. The paycheck should have been bigger. I, I think <laughs> I think I should have got a lot more for for that. But uh, that was one of them jobs from hell and right. Oh, first, first time in the ocean, it was like that was a wake up. Right, right. I've never actually seen the ocean, so I've, the, the, I've been in it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> twenty years in the navy. I'd hope so. Yeah, um, yeah. Gulf of Mexico once out of uh, outside of Louisiana, but that's all. Yeah, I've never actually, never actually got to see the ocean, man. That's a something I got to change in life. Big regret, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's uh, that's crazy, Eric. Twenty years in the service. That's uh, yeah. Pretty, pretty wild, man. That was before I went back in to become a Navy diver. And oh. I thought about it, and uh, it still didn't deter me. I went back in and got the training and uh, went through second-class dive school and first-class dive school. And when I retired, my title was Unlimited Diving Supervisor. I could supervise air diving with scuba or surface supplied coming from a hose to a helmet and uh, recompression chamber supervision. Nice. So, huh. Did it all. That's crazy. Cool. When you were growing up, was that something you saw yourself doing? I kind of got a, a motivation from my uncle. He had been a Navy bosun mate diver. Uh, What's that? A bosun mate is the guys that work on the ship uh, doing the deck maintenance and so forth and right. taking care of all the lines and tying things up. And then he had been a Navy diver. And he had called a couple different times when I was a kid. He called one time from uh, Hawaii. And dad and mom were talking to him. And they asked me if I wanted to say anything. And of course I asked him, do they really have hula girls over there? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I was a true sailor at heart, you know. <laughs> but, uh, right. yeah, but uh, he was my motivation. He had served on Guam a couple times, so that became my first duty station in the Navy. When I got a chance to, uh, when I got out of Radio A school, and they asked me, where did you want to go? And I had a list of places. I saw Guam on there, and I said, I'll take Guam. Really? And that's where I learned how to snorkel. Uh First time out in the ocean. Some friends took me out, uh, handed me a mast and some fins, and we swam through this coral reef and out to where it dropped off into blue water. And there's fish everywhere, all different colors. And I said, that's, that's, what's that's what it's all about. That's I want to do that. That's so awesome. Ever since then, I've, I've been into diving. Where's the worst place you've had to be uh, stationed? Probably Norfolk, Virginia. <laughs> uh, the, let me rephrase the question. Where's the worst place you've had to dive? Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How come? The water, it was just chocolate brown almost all the time. Oh, really? You could not see. Once your, once your mask went under the surface of the water, you were like blind. You could not see anything. When we were working on a submarine... We would find a weld bead at the right frame where we needed to do a job. So we would take our gloves off, even if it was ice in the water, 
follow that weld bead around to the bottom of the sub to find where you're supposed to be working. Oh, no. And there was a couple times when the harbor froze up, we had to break through six inches of ice one time, make a hole big enough. Two of us went down to work on a uh, pinger that we were putting on a submarine so they could go out and do exercises. Mm-hmm. I came out almost hypothermic after two hours in a wetsuit oh, yeah. in Norfolk Harbor. No, thanks. Nope. That, that doesn't sound like a good time to me. Not no. at all. Not at all. <clears throat> yeah. All right. But Guam... I had a great time there. Yeah. The visibility, sometimes we'd have 200-foot visibility. Oh, wow. We would make uh, dives to 190-foot on surface-supplied air once every week. So we were dropping down with a, uh, a air hose. We'd get down to the bottom and establish our depth, and then we could have time to do whatever we wanted. And... Uh, we would do decompression dives. We'd come up and decompress at 30 foot, 20 foot, 10 foot, and then come out. And if we had any problem, we had the recompression chamber back at the base where we could fix anybody that might have any decompression problems. So right. we had no problem with it. Huh. That's crazy. Well, Eric, three great stories, man. Three Navy stories. For two guys that were never in the service. All, <laughs> I know. All dealing with oceans. Yeah. No, you, Eric, I'm not going to lie to you. I have no idea. <laughs> I, know, I've, I have one maybe, and it's. I do too, one maybe. It's like, and the reason for that one is just. Well, let's figure it out. I guess. So. <laughs> well, Eric, what we do is, <clears throat> to find out who has to try and guess first, we rock, paper, scissors. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two different ways to do it, Eric. There's no, only one way to do it. That's. Three pumper. Oh my god. And it's never There's only one way. Hey, right there. Right there, buddy. All right. Three you know what, Eric, you'd be I've shocked. seen your podcast before. Thank I, you. I know thank this. you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? You'd be shocked. I, I I am shocked that there's so I never knew there was a difference. You know what I mean? Like the people did it differently. And honestly, I didn't really think about it either until we started doing this. It's a rhythm uh, thing. I did Bam, bam, bam. Ready, set, go, right? Yeah. Down set hut. Yeah, and then you go after the hut or the go. You don't Damn, go set. on it. You hear hut and go. So it's rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Then you go after the... Rock, paper, plastic. scissors. Bam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one who gets passionate about is Densia. But she's okay. never here when it's a free bumper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ever. Ever. And then she like berates me like, I don't know when you're just going to learn. I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know what's... <laughs> Nothing's wrong with me. What's wrong with you? So, all right. We're doing three pumps, right? All right. Yep. Damn. All right. I finally want something in 2022. Yeah. All right. Three great stories, Eric. We had uh, first dive in the ocean, net and screw of Pearl J, uh, staff's cable job at Diego Garcia, and fishing trip to <clears throat> fishing trip to hell with Hap Belisle and uh, Red Wakeley. So, um, I, Eric, I really am stumped. I'm not going to lie to you. These, uh, you told them all. You didn't have a lot of tells, man, uh, at all. I so. told you I'd guarantee it yeah. was going to be tough. You a poker player? I have played a few times, but, uh, yeah, uh-huh. I'm not real good at it. You bullshitter? Yes. Okay. I am, I can do that. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, literally, the only one I can really think Okay, I'm going to go with Stas Cable. First dive in the ocean, uh, net in the screw of Pearl J is the one that pops out to me. I don't know why. I, 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 I don't know. I just the one with the Diego Garcia and the the sharks. You kind of mentioned before you really never dealt with sharks. But again, that story you never did either. You just had the fear of it. So, uh, man, you got you you truly have me stumped, dude. So, I'm gonna go. Um, God damn, Eric! I don't, I'm gonna go. With, <laughs> I'm going first dive in the ocean, net and screw pearl jay. I, I, and the reason for that is just. The other two, well, first of all, the fishing trip to hell with uh, Hap and Red. I'm a coward, too. <laughs> um, that, that, had some, that had a lot of uh, detail with it. The status cable also had quite a bit of deal. You, you really described it, what you did. Um, the Pearl J kind of made, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm just gonna, I, I don't have 
I usually have a reason, Eric. I pick something. I really don't. I can't pick one of these out. So I'm going to, I'm just going crapshoot. So if I beat you, it's out of pure stupid luck. Uh, first dive, you did a good job. First dive of an ocean, net and screw of Pearl Jay is where I'm going with Adam Bokey. Okay. And then, okay, I have a question. You said this was partially borrowed. Is that mm-hmm. right, your story? Okay. So that means it's all true, just not all true to you. So that makes it even worse. But. See, and I was thinking about the fishing trip, one, because of the how far you were out, but it's not a made-up story, so it has to be true. It's so, true, just not his true story. Right, so then that kind of disqualifies my reasoning on that one. So I'm going to go with a Stas Cable job at Diego Garcia, just because you may have been there, but there may have been somebody else in the water or something. I'm kind of like Moose. It's just a guess. I have no idea. You know what? We actually, uh, here at the Brush <laughs> Arts Center, we have the owner... Who's been listening? Do you, Rob, do you have a do you have a guess? I he's got me spelled too. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a military man, so you know he's a, Although you were in the air force, yeah, it's, it's uh, he's one of the fly boys. So, well, there are more airplanes on the bottom of the ocean than there are submarines in the sky. That's, That's true. true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Unless you're on the right kind of drugs, Eric. <laughs> then that's absolutely not true. So. I don't know why, but I, if I had to vote, I'd vote the one about the cable. I don't know why. The, the Stas cable. cable. That's what you picked, right? Yep, that's what I picked. Eric, flip it over. Let's see what's going on. First ocean. <laughs> you know what? I got it right, but it's just out of pure stupid luck. I think you know idea. What's what's what was borrowed about it? That was my son. Oh, okay. He called me up. And he said, Dad, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but they've called me up to come out and get this net out of the screw of the Pearl J. And I talked to him for a while, and I told him, okay, you got to watch out. That net is a living thing. That boat's going to be moving up and down. The net is moving around with the currents and the swells and everything. You better have everything tucked in. You don't want anything getting hung up on it. And you don't want to cut anything that you might be hung up on that'll take you to the bottom. So he had never dove in the ocean before, and he did it at night. <laughs> Apparently that, he's never uh, been yeah. on a podcast to learn that's a bad thing. <laughs> no, right? Yeah. But yeah, my son has been doing a bunch of diving. He's never had a, a scuba class. And I've got to say this right now. If anybody's wanting to go scuba diving, get a class. Learn the proper way to do scuba diving. I've talked to my son quite a bit, but he just kind of winged it on his own. I'm out here in Colorado. He's on the Oregon coast. I didn't have a whole lot of control on him. And uh, he had helped me several times. I dove in rivers and stuff after I got out of the Navy, and he would hold my rope that I had tied around my waist while I was going into places where I should have never been right there was white water currents that I would drop down underneath and but uh he was familiar with the diving gear but right, he's right. never had a scuba class oh and shit then he went out and did that were you happy about it I was petrified for him yeah. I was yeah. like the whole time I had my my heart in my throat thinking I hope he doesn't go out and do something stupid right but uh he did get paid for it. It wasn't near enough, but uh, he's still scuba diving and stuff. Uh, lately, he went out and uh, spent the whole season uh, on a crab boat for Dungeness Crabs. Okay. And uh, he's been making some pretty good money on that, but that, again, is kind of like the deadliest catch. You're out on a small boat in the middle of the ocean pulling up crab pots and everything. Right. They, they just had a boat yesterday that sunk, and they're still looking for two bodies. That sucks. So That's awful. It's, it's always scary when somebody's out in that ocean. There's so many things can go wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. I uh, Before we go, <laughs> I do want to say there's going to be a small video after this podcast. Uh, actually, we're going to go over the hall over at VFW. The hallway okay. uh, you showed me. Do you want to describe it a little bit? We're going to do more to describe. I'm going to come over there. We're going to go over it thoroughly. You're going to show me just a, a quick description of what we're going to look at. Okay. <clears throat> As <clears throat> After I became commander of the VFW, we had a desire to do something for veterans. 
we decided we would try to get a mural painted somewhere in there, and we wanted to have a military color guard or honor guard uh, depicted. <clears throat> well, I was driving down the street one day, and I saw Joe Maquetta looking out the window at the Sands Theater. So I slowed down, I waved at Joe, and he didn't wave back. He just sat there looking at me. And I finally realized that it's a painting in the window. <laughs> <clears throat> it's still there now. Yep, yep, yep. But uh, at that time, Melody was director of the Chamber of Commerce. So I asked her, who did that painting? It, it was really realistic. Right. You know? So she told me it was a young lady named Ashley Lake. So we contacted Ashley. And we got her to come over, and we showed her some pictures of honor guards that we had. And we described where we would like that painted in our Hall of Honor. She says, I can do that for you. Well, she's a self-taught young lady. She was 20, 21 years old at the time. Very cool. She had a young boy named Samuel that he was probably a couple years old. But she said she could come in and paint for a while, you know, as, as she had opportunities to. And uh, she got started on it. We had a picture from the Internet. We had to modify it a little bit, but we got the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard uniforms all in there, including a female. And uh, she started in with some pencil sketches, and over a period of nine months... I got to watch that thing come to life. Right. The details on that are amazing. There's flags that ripple against a flat wall. There's wood grain on the flagpoles. There's chrome fittings on the flagpole. And there's even reflection of the flag on the chrome fittings. Right. Wow. She painted the stitching around the cups that hold the base of the flagpoles. She went into that much detail. She spent an unknown amount of time getting the exact colors for our ribbons that would be on the chest of our mm -hmm. uniforms. She made them as exact as she could. We went through magazines or pictures off the internet and she would match that picture up until she had the exact right color. Wow. And we've got to hand it to her. That That is an amazing picture. I'm still blown away by it every time I see it. Very cool. Well, stick around. We're going to be uh, wrapping up pretty, pretty quick, but you and I are going to do a small video on that. It's going to be at the end of this podcast. So uh, if you're listening to it, obviously you can't see it, but uh, check out the YouTube video. Uh, we're going to go over that to okay. Hall, and you and I are going to kind of check out some of the people in there, you know, some of the uh, history of Brush, Colorado. It's very cool what you guys do down there, man. So. You guys have done a lot of a uh, lot of work at that VFW, so. Okay. But we'll check it out, man. We'll do uh, sometime okay. this week. I'll I'll get a hold of you and we'll we'll pop over there and get that done, Eric. So. Okay. Um, but uh, we're also going to show some love for the Brush Art Center where we are. We didn't right. give too much information. You can see around us uh, the Art Center. Uh, if you want to check out the Brush Art Center, look at the description of this podcast on the YouTube or whatever podcast <laughs> audio you listen to. And Eric, oh, you're fired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're almost done, Eric. You want to hold that real quick? Um, yes, I will. boy. <laughs> um, but anyway, it, it's on the description, so check it out. they got a lot of cool stuff going on down here, the sip and paint, or the paint and sip. Uh, he's just got a bunch of different stuff down here, and they got a lot of great, great things down here. So please come check them out. Show support to a small-town business. Came into our our, uh, our community and has done a great thing so far and given us something brand new down here, you know. As far as uh, you weren't here when he was describing Eric, it's it's art, art, as he described it up front. Mental. I, I was sitting back there behind, right. so I got to hear a lot of that. And they're going to do a lot of cool things, you know. It's just something different and new for our community. So uh, thanks for the Giffords for showing up and doing that. And please show them support and love for letting us out here. And thank you, Rob. Uh, I'm pointing to the camera right now, although he's behind me, you can hear. Like, <laughs> I can hear you. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Eric. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, man. I know you do a good job. You, uh, many years of experience, and uh, yeah, we'll have you back on one of these days and uh, some more crazy stories. Just got one more thing to say. Okay. So there I was at 190 feet of seawater, sucked my last breath of air, and then I saw it. And you can fill it in whatever you want after that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> people always ask me, what what'd you see down there? And it's like, okay. So I sucked my last breath of air, and then I saw it. And you can fill in the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> and I will. Well, he's not here. So All right. Anyway, Eric, thank you so much for coming and, on. And thank you for your service as well. Uh, yeah, thank so. you. Thank you for your service, man. That is it true. was only 20 years. That's, that's all it yeah, was. I mean, it's I 20 years it. longer than I did. Yeah, so do that on your hands, right? That's not, you know. So. <laughs> they gave us diving equipment. They gave us boats. If we weren't actually working on ships or submarines, we had the opportunity to go out and catch lobsters or fish. So. It kind of made it a little bit more tolerable. Right. Rainbow bass, man. Rainbow yes, sir. Brass. Eric, thank you so much. I'm Bruce Lundstrom. <laughs> I'm Adam Vokey. See you guys next time. Peace. Mm-hmm.